Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about Talend. That's T-A-L-E-N-D. They're a leader in data integration and data integrity, and they're changing the way the world makes decisions. Talend supports the public sector with data integration, integrity, quality, and governance. So data is easily discoverable, understandable, and easy to use and shared in support of any mission, initiative, or goal. This unified approach is unique and essential to delivering complete, clean, and uncompromised data. Over 6,500 customers across the globe have chosen Talent to run their organizations on healthy data. So check them out at www.talent.com. That's www.talent.com. You're listening to the Government Huddle Podcast, brought to you by GMarkU. Each episode features a unique discussion led by public sector executive and global government thought leader, Brian Chittister. Experts in all things government from around the world join the show to share their stories and provide insight into the rapidly changing landscape that is the public sector. From digital transformation to workforce issues and even thoughts on policy, nothing is off limits. Come on, let's huddle up. Organizations are really using cloud to augment their response times and kind of reduce the burden on users. Uh, One area we see this a lot is in call centers. And so things like chatbots and modern call centers, they're giving governments an efficient way to connect with citizens during really critical times. Just think about the volume of response around um, the recent programs in the SBA or all the different uh, information that needed to be communicated during the COVID-19 pandemic, communities turned to public sector organizations for the, you know, the latest information. And, And so these website visits, these call volumes, they all grew exponentially. And an organization's infrastructure really gets put to the test uh, during that time. And you can't predict these things. Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. Whether they know it or not, government leaders are galloping toward the cloud. In a recent survey, 37% of government leaders say they moved on-premise infrastructure to public cloud in the past year. And 32% said that migrating systems and applications to the cloud will be a top priority in the next two years. Yet, much of government cloud adoption still goes unrecognized as such. People say they're not in the cloud very much, and when you start asking questions, it turns out that they're very much in the cloud. Another stat from this very same survey helps explain why. Among these public sector IT leaders, 80% said they began using a new software as a service this past year. They may not be closing down data centers or signing contracts with cloud service providers, but those SaaS applications by and large reside in the cloud. Taken together, formal migrations to the cloud and adoption of cloud-based SaaS indicate a steady shift in IT resources, away from on-prem legacy solutions and towards the cloud. It's just continuing to gain traction. And to help us understand where this market is right now and why government leaders are driving towards cloud adoption, I've invited Dave Levy. He is the vice president of AWS's federal nonprofit and healthcare practices, which puts him at the forefront of several critical missions. He's passionate about modernization, transformation, and best-in-class citizen services, and has put those passions to use helping government agencies 
realize the value of cloud in their mission delivery. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here today, buddy. Sure. It's great to be here. I'm excited about this because cloud is such a massive uh, technology driving so many different industries, especially government. For the longest time, it felt like there were more inhibitors to driving cloud in government. And now it feels like it's really picking up pace significantly, uh, especially at the tail end of the pandemic. Help level set us a little bit. What are you seeing around cloud adoption in government right now? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll tell you what I'm seeing and hearing, and it's really quite remarkable, is over the last few years, uh, you know, the pandemic really accelerated the need for digital transformation to be able to deliver services to citizens or to respond to crisis in a way with agility and speed. And cloud has been one of the main enablers for governments to do that, uh, to do it quickly, to do it securely, to do it in a way that is cost efficient and effective. And I think what we're seeing is government agencies are starting to recognize that. And as they've gotten comfortable with security, uh, as they've gotten comfortable with governance and confidence around that, and also too, as they started to build their, their, their talent and their teams around cloud, we're really seeing an acceleration, whether that's migrating an existing capability to cloud or starting to build something new and deliver things in ways that they haven't done before. So it is a, a really exciting time uh, for government. It almost feels like the pandemic, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but it, it's almost as if the pandemic hit at the perfect time because you, you touched on security. That was the number one inhibitor um, across all, pretty much any research report you saw where CIOs, CTOs were saying that was why they weren't shifting to the cloud. And you saw it continuously drop down the list um, over over the past few years. And then the pandemic hit and you talked, you said another, another word, confidence. I think that knee-jerk reaction and the need for the agility and scale that cloud brought them in a situation like the pandemic forced them into that posture and then they got confident with it. And now all that value started, started rolling. And I, I like where you went with the third, and that's not something we've really talked about I, around cloud specifically is bringing talent into the organization that can support that evolution of cloud. How is AWS supporting governments in that way? How are you kind of not only helping them maybe skill up in, in the cloud technology range, but maybe also helping show them the need for what they what they don't have. Sure. Well, look, everybody, uh, every organization is competing for talent. Uh, um, we are. Um, other other companies are competing for talent in the market or marketplace. Uh, our customers, our our government agencies are competing. It really is a uh, the most one of the most competitive environments for talent of all time, and. And so you're not only competing, but you want to you want to upskill and reskill your existing workforce and your partners, and we're all rushing to do that as much as as much as we can. And what we're doing is we've got a we've got a goal at AWS to train millions and millions of people as many as we can over the next few years. Uh, 
uh, upskilling them on cloud skills, free training. So we are uh, we're out there actively with programs for our partners, programs in schools, uh, at our customers to help contribute to this need, this you know just insatiable need for talent in cloud. And so we're very focused on it. We're very focused on helping our customers and our partners um, get the kinds of skills training that they need, and we're offering it to them all over the world. It's very cool that, that you said schools in there as well, because I'm guessing you're not only talking about higher education, but also in the K through 12 environment where you're kind of giving them some of the early skills to be able to be successful in the future of work, right? Absolutely. You know, many years ago, I won't go, I won't say how long ago, but <laughs> But when, when I was coming up, you know, if you had a computer lab in your school, that was amazing. But, but we were, you know, I was, I was one of the fortunate ones uh, in my high school that had 12 computers. And so this access to technology, you know, 30 years ago or 35 years ago was, was limited uh, and it was expensive. And the cost to, uh, to use technology, the, the, the democratization of technology has uh, happened over that intervening 30 years and the cost has come way down. And so we can deliver, we and others can deliver, uh, whether it's coding or even logic-based type of instruction that helps with the early foundations of, of uh, you know, software and hardware. Um, we can deliver that now at a very little cost or no cost. And so it's really important at the K through 12, at the higher ed level, to start uh, engaging with this type of approach so that we'll have a workforce that's ready in every area. We'll have a workforce on the developer side. We'll have a workforce on the cybersecurity side. And so uh, we're doing that and our partners are doing it. We talk so often about the future of work, and I think we we think about things like upskilling, reskilling the current workforce, but it's great that you guys are taking a look at the investment in what that next generation looks like that has the opportunity to unlock so much potential around the future of work as they're kind of those technology natives. Um, I mean, cloud cloud to them is going to be um, like drinking, like, t- like breathing air, um, which will be incredible. Um, it, another thing you've touched on is delivering value to citizens and it it kind of kind of brings out the the Biden administration's recent EO around transforming federal customer experience and service delivery. I think cloud can drive such a major piece of that. I, I would almost say it's fundamental or prerequisite to driving that value. I'm curious Dave, how do you think agents should agencies should really approach their modernization efforts to meet the mandates of this executive order? Well, you know, the, the recent executive order is, it's really exciting to see. And, and I think it's going to, you know, the hope is that it reshapes the way agencies uh, design and deliver services to the public, to really to all of us. Uh, I What we see as citizens' expectations of government are changing uh, and changing in a way that, they are now seeing the same experiences they've been having on the consumer side. And they expect that same interaction with government to be easy to navigate, um, comparable to these experiences they see in the consumer and commercial place, and they want them to be predictable. Um, I think one of the big challenges that uh, is still out there, though, is that the government is siloed 
And that's a constraint on customer experience. And so the directive is really uh, aimed at reshaping Americans' interaction with government uh, by holding flagship agencies accountable for, you know, designing and delivering services with a focus on the experience that citizens have. And, and, you know, rather than just streamlining the services into individual silos. And so I think it presents federal leaders and government leaders with an opportunity to rethink the entire process and the administration of a wide range of services, everything from, you know, retirement payments to healthcare benefits, the food subsidies, federal grants, housing loans, taxes, I could go on and on. Um, but if, and, and you know, if you're really going to truly elevate the customer experience for us as citizens, agencies need to capitalize on a combination of technology and then also human-centered design. And I would argue that IT modernization and cloud adoption are, um, have played and will continue to play critical roles in helping government make that happen. And you know, here at AWS, we, we've helped many federal agencies on their journey to cloud. We've seen um, three key areas for improved customer experience. The first is application modernization. The next is real-time constituent response. And third, the third big area is development of enterprise data platforms. And I'll say a little bit about each. Uh, application modernization. You know, a lot of customer-facing tools are really unable to keep pace with growing demand and data volumes while requiring significant maintenance and funding. So many of the organizations have turned to cloud and they've turned to AWS to help migrate their applications and the databases, um, and, and which immediately kind of gain benefits in the, vo in the form of they've got no capital expenditure for that. It's scalable. The availability starts to improve and the ability to more kind of integrate simply new technologies into value. I think that's been a huge differentiator in the application modernization space. And, you know, I would also say on the, you know, on the side of the, the second area of constituent response, organizations are really using cloud to augment their response times and kind of reduce the burden on users. Uh, one area we see this a lot is in call centers. And so things like chatbots and modern call centers, they're giving governments the an efficient way to connect with citizens during really critical times. Um, health systems, education institutions, they're all responsible for communicating and maintaining information uh, regarding public safety or health or human services, emergency services, social services, just think about the volume of response around um, the recent programs in the SBA or all the different uh, information that needed to be communicated during the COVID-19 pandemic. Communities turned to public sector organizations for the, you know, the latest information and the, and the communities want to stay informed and make decisions about what they need to do. And so these website visits, these call volumes, they all grew exponentially and an organization's infrastructure really gets put to the test uh, during that time. Mm -hmm. And you can't predict these things. And so um, 
you know, I would say that the these eight, these organizations were able to turn to cloud for the help they needed to scale those services. And then I'd say the third big area where they can improve their customer experience is on enterprise data platforms. Uh, many agencies are moving to AWS to build enterprise data platform that can consolidate, ingest, analyze, visualize, and retain all their data to elevate the value of their organizations. And we try to really empower customers with the ability to leverage cloud database, analytics, BI, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of these technologies to build a data mesh architecture that can deliver real-time insights to all the critical stakeholders. And, you know, an environment like that, a data management environment helps eliminate hardware that's cost prohibitive. Um, It addresses all these dynamic workloads that an organization may have. It allows for integration with ancillary services like contact centers, and it allows customers to test and implement two Two, uh, new technologies and and iterate as they go along so they get it right for the experience. And so that's the agility, the speed to value and the ability to test and innovate. That's what clouds give you. And that's what we see governments doing. Um, um, the ones that are being successful and uh, really delivering on the capability. I wholeheartedly agree with all three. And if I could add too, in, in, in your second example, um, call centers at at Genesis. I mean, we're we're a leader in in call center technology, and we um, are cloud based, and and we run on AWS. In fact, our FedRAMP instance is on AWS. And over the pandemic, you're absolutely right. The surge for information, the demand for information in all forms. Um, so they so citizens had the the um, kind of tip of the spear knowledge to to be s- smart during a, during such a crisis. Um, was massive. And being at Genesis at the time, this, the demand for a cloud-based call center from all the different institutions that we supported through that period of time um, was also massive. And we we talked earlier about becoming confident. Those knee-jerk reactions into cloud, allowing for the agility and the scale that they really allowed those organizations um, to leverage really gave them confidence that this is what they needed moving forward and they could build strategies around. So it's something that we're, we're really proud of being able to obviously support those organizations leveraging cloud on AWS. But I think we've, we've seen growth even, uh, even beyond that um, because you've talked about the, the other aspects of, of contact center, even into experience. And I think data plays a, a large, a large part in that where you can make data driven decisions um, or data-driven experiences for citizens to make them more seamless. Uh, and to me, it's absolutely prerequisite those have to be on cloud. Yeah, totally agree. I think it's a, a, an exciting time for the public sector uh, to be able to deliver in a way for citizens and communities that they haven't before. Um, and uh, we see more and more um, at AWS, our customers really leveraging this technology and growing, uh, growing their capabilities inside of their teams. So we've seen, especially around experience, more specific to experience, we've seen this technology out there for so long. Uh, retail vendors like Target and, and Walmart and others that that leverage um, cloud-based technologies to drive experiences. Why do you think it's taken so long for government to adopt this, to drive these experiences forward, or even to put such a premium focus on experience for their citizens when the technology was there to kind of facilitate it? 
Well, I think inside of any given organization, uh, but in particular our public sector organizations who are mission-driven and have a uh, significantly high, a very meaningful responsibility to uh, to us as citizens to uh, for uh, our security, our safety, for our health, the bar is really high. And um, you want to make sure that when you're rolling out something new uh, um, or even something that's incrementally a change, that you have a high probability of success to deliver on that mission. And, you know, investments in customer experience are not one-time initiatives. Um, mm -hmm. It involves an entire shift in mindset that must happen at really every level of an organization. And so culturally, that takes time inside of public sector organizations. The bigger they are, the more time it takes to make sure that everybody is aligned with moving forward in the new direction to deliver on that mission. And so I, I think if it's a challenge, it's that agency leaders um, should be thinking about how to give employees the right tools and the resources and the policies at the right time to continue providing exceptional service. And then they should support that all the way through, um, all the way through the, the decision and the implementation and the change. And um, that is not necessarily the default culture, the default culture of our government. Um, and um, we, I definitely see that changing. I definitely see agencies starting to take that on as they've started to see the success like we've talked about through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I see less struggles than I used to. And I think uh, agency leaders are, are now feeling much more confident about making these decisions. You know, when I talk to, when I talk to leaders inside of government, it's not really a matter of if it's a matter of when and how they should do it. And that is an incredibly positive step uh, in the last few years. You brought up culture, and I think that's, that is so important. And I, again, I agree with you. I see that changing um, for a variety of reasons, and we could have a whole other conversation around that, right? But um, I, we've definitely seen culture become a struggle. Um, budget and workforce constraints are obviously struggles as well, and some of those go back into culture as well. Um, how is AWS helping agencies overcome, overcome some of these challenges? Like you said, you've seen it shift what part is AWS kind of playing in, in, see, in kind of making some of those shifts? Sure. I mean, you're right. You know, in order to keep up with all of these shifts and changes and technology, you've got to have a workforce that understands what these new technologies are. And you've got to have a workforce that has the capability to stay ahead of the learning curve. And we're doing some things, you know, for example, I, I mentioned earlier about us training, but, you know, in 2020, it, it, at our reInvent conference, we announced that by 2025, we were going to help 29 million people globally grow their technical skills with free cloud computing skills training. So we're investing hundreds of millions of dollars to provide free cloud computing skills training to people from all walks of life, all levels of knowledge in 200 countries and territories around the world. And we'll, we'll provide these opportunities through our existing AWS programs, as well as new coursework we're developing. We're, we're 
we're hopefully making it adaptive learning to meet a wide variety of schedules and learning goals. And it's, it's a range of things from self-paced online courses, things that are designed to help individuals update their technical skills to those intensive upskilling programs that can lead to new jobs in the technology industry. I think, I mean, that's a, I mean, we talked about, that's a massive challenge. I think that's all, that's a big investment. And it also speaks to something else we're seeing in government is a little bit more of a reliance or a partnership with the private sector to accomplish their goals. I think there was such a almost government giving private sector the Heisman and kind of we'll, we'll call you when we need you kind of thing. But I feel like that's, they've dropped that a little bit and they've seen the value. And I also think private sector has gotten a little smarter about how they can engage with government and ways to really truly help them, right? Accomplish their mission, meet their challenges, not just sell them things and leave, but be true partners, which I think has really kind of built that. Um, another question I have for you is, especially especially because cloud can enable so many really cool new technologies, emerging technologies, and new capabilities um, that maybe it kind of unlocks it for government now because they are adopting this. Are there some some technologies that you have your eyes on that you think government should be aware of or new capabilities that government should be aware of as they look to go through their IT modernization process? Well, the first thing I'd say is um, governments and organizations of all shapes and all sizes are taking advantages of the benefits of commercial cloud. And at AWS, we're constantly impressed by the innovative ways we see these customers taking advantage of all the things that clouds have to offer. And there are a lot of trends we see across different customer segments with, uh, we see more and more customers migrating workloads and taking advantage of innovation and new technologies. Uh, The things that come to mind are machine learning and artificial intelligence and IOT. We've, uh, you know, machine learning and and artificial intelligence have been around for uh, quite some time from from a technology perspective. But now we see customers with the, with the scale of cloud and the efficiency of cloud really starting to adopt these technologies, pull them into the organization, and leverage them to uh, deliver better insights, to deliver b- better services. And, uh, you know, when we started the public sector business, um, customers were, were primarily attracted to cloud for two reasons. Uh, the first was was really to save money and promote efficiencies by hosting websites on the cloud and using cloud storage. And, and now, just a few years later, we're looking at leveraging the cloud for machine learning and our artificial intelligence that can drive innovation, and especially when it comes to critical missions. And uh, we're helping customers across the, the, the government improve the ways that they deliver on this. Everything from computer vision systems for autonomous driving to FDA-approved medical imaging. Things like AI are driving public sector innovation. I'll give you a quick example. Earlier this year, NARA, the National Archives and Records Administration, released the 1950 census data to the general public. And with the support of cloud, the release marked a number of important firsts. It was the first time that the public was able to download the entire census on launch day. That was amounting to almost 6.6 million population schedules. 
1950 census website where the public can access the data is hosted on AWS and it uses Amazon S3, AWS Lambda, Amazon CloudFront, and all of that provides the scalability to meet the demand of millions of visitors. And also the 1950 census data is being hosted by the AWS Open Data Sponsorship Program. So this makes the program, the, the pro, this program makes high value cloud optimized data sets publicly available on AWS. And so that helps NARA's mission to cultivate public participation through access to valuable government records. And, and so now NARA is also leveraging machine learning to improve access to the records and things like Amazon TextTract to be able to extract and ingest approximately 130 million handwritten names from the 1950 census population schedules. And that enables the, the website visitors to search the schedules by names. And so it's a fantastic delivery of this capability to citizens. Another example is through uh, FDA's Intelligent Data Lake, which FDA's enterprise-wide platform is on AWS. So with an ever-growing number of um, you know, smarter, modernized process reviews, they're doing this with on time with limited resource re resources, FDA receives 125 applications each year, 125,000, and has only 40 reviewers. So really scale and efficiency coming to together. And the FDA created a machine learning solution util utilizing multiple of our services like natural language processing to kind of compare approved drug labels with submitted promotional materials and flag discrepancies. So this shortened the runway to production and eliminated all, a lot of tedious manual reviews. I mean, obviously the scale's there. And one of the things I think is so cool about cloud, and, and you touched on it early on, was you can scale up. And obviously we, we know government has some of, if not the largest scale in the world, but you can scale down. And I think enterprise technologies that were only available to the, the largest companies and organizations can now be available for the small small business small local governments etc and you can harness the value of that so when we talk scale it's not just saying hey we can go as big as you want it's it's that we can also meet you where you are right it's fit for purpose and i think that's an important aspect that's really unlocked value for a lot of people absolutely absolutely i uh, you know love the idea of uh, agencies and governments really understanding the ability to scale up and scale down as their needs, as the demands of their missions um, change and will change and continue to change over time. One of the benefits is being prepared for the unprepared. And uh, we, we try to help our customers um, be in a position to do that, uh, uh, whether that's a surge in, um, you know, a, a pandemic response or something else. Uh, it could be a disaster response. You talked about all the different uh, ways that AWS is driving value for organizations. And obviously, as things shift and scale up and down digitally, it, it invites um, cyber threats, right? I, we, we talked earlier about how security was the number one inhibitor for a long time for organizations not going to cloud. But, but that that has really changed the security posture around cloud 
um, parallels, or if if not even is better than than some on-prem instances. I, I'm curious to know what technologies or approaches you think that government agencies should consider from a cybersecurity perspective to help their IT operations be more secure when they're deploying cloud. Well, you know the we we talked about an executive order on 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 customer experience and there's an executive order on proving the nation's cybersecurity it requires an agency to update its plans to prioritize cloud adoption so it's right there in the executive order um you know prioritize cloud adoption identify the most sensitive data update the protections for that data encrypt data at rest and in transit implement multi-factor authentication and meet the expanded logging requirements and it also introduces zero trust architectures so right there in the executive order getting getting a, a, an organization as an as a federal agency getting your plan together is the first priority and when we work with customers um, what we help them do at AWS is gain access to the resources, the expertise, the technology, the professional services, our partner network, which can help them meet these security requirements. And then on uh, down that line, we have a lot of services that can help them in each one of those areas. Um, you know, the, our cloud at AWS offers really rich, fine-grained controls for auditing, um, broad security accreditations to enable compliance with um, FedRAMP or criminal justice information systems or Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA. And the scale of our cloud um, it significantly helps in uh, security policing and countermeasures than, any, than almost any other large company could afford themselves. And this is backed up by a deep set of cloud security tools that we have. We've got more than 200 security and compliance and governance services in key features. So we think of it, we have a shared responsibility model with the customer and AWS manages and controls the components from the host operating system and the virtualization layer down to the physical security of the facilities in which the services operate and our customers are responsible for building secure applications. So we're in a deep partnership with our customers. And now on the federal government side, there's an executive order that helps them steer in the direction of having the right plan. So Dave, before I give you a chance to, to leave some final thoughts for the audience, I have one last question. Um, and this is kind of more forward looking. So I'm curious to know in your, uh, in your opinion, what do you see the biggest challenge kind of facing the, the government industry over the next five, five, 10 years? I mean, we've covered a lot of topics today and a lot of areas where they struggle, um, but they're making headway, um, workforce being a big one. But what do you see the biggest challenge really facing in this, this industry today and moving forward? I think despite the, the cultural um, and the organizational uh, gravity of a lot of our governments, it's really important that government uh, government agencies anchor themselves on moving fast into cloud. And the biggest challenge will be how how much speed they can move with internally. What's going to be the forcing function to get governments to move into cloud faster than they organically otherwise would? 
because that speed is going to be really important. Uh, technology is changing. The cyber landscape is ever evolving. Um, we now know from the last few years that there are going to be more um, potential pandemics, more potential disasters that we have to uh, react and respond to, more humanitarian crises. We hope none of these things happen, but we need to be prepared with speed, with agility, with scalability. And the biggest challenge will be the speed at which these organizations can make the decision to adopt cloud and start leveraging and benefiting from these technologies and then building and sustaining a workforce along with their partners that can help operate and innovate and grow along with that and deliver on all of these things in our future. I think that's a really good point. I mean, we've covered a lot, so many different benefits today to, to moving to the cloud. And I think once organizations start to realize that and we hit that tipping point, um, the sky's the limit really for what, what our government can really, really drive towards. Hey, Dave, I really appreciate the time today. Any, any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience? This has been awesome. Um, this is one of the most, uh, uh, first of all, so thanks for having me. This has just been great to have this conversation. And um, the final thought I would leave is this is one of the most exciting times in the technology space. We're just in the very early days of cloud adoption and innovation. And the public sector has an incredible opportunity in front of it. And at AWS, we couldn't be more excited to work with our customers and partners every day. We see the change, we see the impact that it's having, and it's a real privilege to do that. And we're excited for the broader community, for our customers and our partners as well too, because there's still so much, so much that we can do together. And it's still so early for this, uh, for this uh, technology space. Dave, thanks again for being here, and thanks again for your for your leadership. I've I've been following some of the work that that you and your team have been doing, and I think um, has really driven uh, and helped make large strides within government cloud adoption. Which, as we've discussed, is going to to me be the the thing that really uh, tips the balance into the, the value they can drive to citizens. So, thank you again for being here and, and for all the work you're doing. Awesome, thank you. Great to be here. This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to govexec.com backslash podcast wherever you access yours. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at Chittister AB. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.